the world promises you comfort, but you were not made for comfort. You were made for greatness. You aren't some random person. The reality is, God has already made you his own son or daughter. He made you for something extraordinary. You are a literal son or daughter of a living God. This is Christ's New Generation on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Good evening and welcome to Christ's New Generation here on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. I'm your host, John Collin, and I'll be joining you for the next hour as we talk about a moral issue of the day, a topic of faith combined with Lexio Divina and testimonies from the youth in our area. But here on the first segment, our topic is relativism, which is described by Pope Benedict as the greatest problem of our time. So... That's definitely a big confrontation. Unfortunately, many people don't know about relativism and what it is, but we've got the man here to tell you exactly uh, what it's all about, and it is Chris Stefanik from Denver, Colorado, founder of Real Life Catholic and a speaker. So uh, I'll bring him in now. Chris, how you doing? Great. Hey, man. Good to be on with you. Thanks for having me. Definitely, this is a great opportunity for our station and certainly for the youth in our area and uh, what we'll be talking about. So relativism, let's just nail it down. Many people don't know what relativism is. And let's just uh, let's just break it down. What is relativism? So relativism is the idea that truth is relative to what each person believes. All right, to spell that out a little further, almost no one is a relativist when it comes to math. We believe that there's a truth outside of our heads that we come to discover. Uh, it's not something that we just make up for ourselves, right? You don't, we don't each get to have our own truth about math. No one's going to say 2 plus 2 is 5 for me. And who do you think you are to impose your 4 on my 5? <laughs> but most people are relativists when it comes to everything else, everything that's not scientifically verifiable, uh, everything that can't be put in a neat mathematical equation. So the stuff of faith and morals, for instance, people think... They can make up their own truth, so it's relative to what each person believes. You know, like they'll say, Jesus is God for me. And they don't mean, you know, I think Jesus is God and disagree with someone else. What they literally think when they say that kind of thing is, no, I make up my own truth about God, and that's all that matters. And you have your truth, and I have my truth, and it all fits together. Uh, so that, that's, that's where we come with, you know, those popular statements like, don't impose your morality on me. Uh, who do you think you are to bring your religious views into, you know, this setting or that setting or, you know, to say that you're right and someone else is wrong? And 93% of young people, uh, according to a recent study, said they don't believe in absolute truth. Wow, that, that's incredible right there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... And, and I think most most people don't believe in absolute truth because they think that if, if you say, you know, I know the truth about God, I know the truth about such and such moral issue. I know the truth about marriage, uh, and I disagree. I think someone who, who doesn't believe what I believe in this area, is I don't, I don't just think they believe something different. I think they're wrong. People presume that if you talk that way with that much clarity about the most important stuff of life, instead of just about math, they think if you talk with that much clarity, that makes you mean, bigoted, hateful, and intolerant. So most people fall into relativism because no one wants to be a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, certainly. It seems like at the at the whole topic of why so many people support this idea of relativism, it's this fake banner of 
tolerance and, oh, I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. You know, that just seems yeah. to be the, the whole point of why, you know, the secular, the secular world is so focused on this idea. Yes, it's the only virtue left that people teach is tolerance. But we redefine tolerance. All right, tolerance is disagreeing with somebody, thinking they're dead wrong, and then putting up with them. All right, we've redefined tolerance to mean never disagreeing with anybody about anything important. Right, that's, that's not what tolerance means. You, you don't tolerate a beautiful sunny day. You tolerate a rainy day. You tolerate a nasty, rainy, cold day. Right? You tolerate stuff you don't like. You tolerate stuff you don't agree with, that you'd rather have changed. That's the thing that you tolerate. Right? So uh, this, this idea that disagreeing equals intolerance is totally wrong. And some of the greatest saints in history show us just, just how tolerant people of faith are. Mother Teresa of Calcutta disagreed with Hindus about the divinity of Jesus. She would never in a million years say, well, Vishnu is God for them, and Jesus is God for me, and everything's valid, everything's equal. No, she thought they were wrong about the divinity of Christ. She spent her life serving Hindus. Uh, Mother Teresa disagreed with the gay lifestyle. She would have disagreed with gay marriage. She disagreed with people defining themselves in relation to their sexual attraction. She said, don't call them homosexual, call them children of God, because it's our relation to God that defines us. Right? So she disagreed with all these different things. Uh, in the 1980s, when AIDS broke out, and I'm, I'm 40, so I actually remember this happening. Okay? <laughs> it was terrifying, because this is a new virus, there's no cure, and, and people died pretty quickly from it back then, and it wasn't pretty. Right? And we weren't sure, you know, is this, is this airborne? Is it going to go airborne? What, what, is this, can you get this from shaking someone's hand? We, we really thought this might just be the end of the world. And so there was a real terror that was happening, that was sweeping our country. And in that climate of terror and fear, the first group that started an AIDS hospice in New York City, before the gay community, before the state, before the city, was Mother Teresa. Uh, she disagreed with people, and she thought, okay, I'll risk my life serving the people I disagree with. I mean, we can disagree and still love people, but we can disagree and not focus incessantly on the things we disagree about, you know, but really focus on sharing the love of Jesus with people as a starting point for a conversation. Uh, that, that's, what, that's what the great saints of history all did. And, you know, some of the most intolerant people in history were relativists, people who don't believe in truth. There, there's no limits to how they'll treat their fellow humans. Adolf Hitler said there's no such thing as truth. Uh, there's nothing more relativistic than fascism. Mussolini said that. All right, so uh, this idea that we shouldn't cling to truth about insurities, about the most important things in life, because it makes us jerks, it's completely inconsistent with the experience that we have of good people, <laughs> like Mother Teresa. Yeah, certainly. I mean, and then you bring up that, that point about, I mean, just look at all these, you know, especially during the 20th century, these people who committed these atrocities throughout the 20th century, you know, you look at Hitler, you look at you look at Stalin, and you, you look at Zedong, and you know, and these guys, they're not yeah. set in religion, they're set in atheism, and in, you know, they relativism, and, you know, and yeah. to be honest, a lot of these people who live under these societies become manipulated, because these people who are relativistic, they're the ones with the power, and they have to submit themselves to the ones with power. Yep, and a lot of those 20th century uh, atheist dictators and communist dictators. I mean, they went a step further than relativism, just a straight nihilism. But I'll tell you, it, it, the same kind of principle applies here. They didn't believe that there was such a thing as moral and spiritual absolute truth. 
they believe that it's all, you know, it's all relative. You just kind of do whatever you want. You know, there's no objective guidelines we're supposed to live within. Now, I, I've heard the phrase countless times, you know, religion, you know, it's responsible for all the bloodshed in history and all the violence in history. My goodness, what short-term memory we have. I know. You know yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't that long ago. And my great uncle was a priest in Slovakia. He was jailed and beaten and persecuted by communists. I mean, this is not that long ago, folks. There was more lives claimed by atheistic communism than all the religious wars in history put together. Now, I'm not saying there have never been intolerant people of faith. There is. And religion can be used by evil people, uh, by people even with good intentions who are completely misguided. Uh, but really, it doesn't hold a candle up next to people like Mao. And, you know, we imagine, you know, imagine there's no heaven, imagine there's no religion, right? We just imagine with John Lennon. Yeah, well, Mao imagines that. Mao Zedong imagines that. Right? Stalin imagines that. And uh, it, it doesn't lead to this utopia. It leads to a world where there's nothing. That's and right. Where we're stripped of everything that matters. That's what it leads to. Certainly. And, and to me, relativism almost, it, it takes the purpose out of life. You know, instead of finding truth in, in Christ and in his mission, the world tells us to make up an illusion for ourselves. And I mean, you look at all yeah. these misguided teenagers nowadays, and that is a direct relationship between how these kids feel lost and how relativism is just getting shoved down these teenagers' throats. Yeah. Well, Benedict XVI, he said, uh, the spiritual desert is spreading, quiet sense of despair, an unnamed fear, right? So he also called relativism the greatest problem of our time. Pope Francis called it the spiritual poverty of our age. Uh, you know, I mean, how does it hurt people in their daily lives? Well, I mean, if you, if you can't claim to know the most important things in life with a level of surety, you know, if you think, well, I'm just making this up for myself, but ultimately you know in your heart of hearts that you're making it up for yourself to make-believe, and make-believe is not real. You know, I, you can't really go through life with a sense of confidence and happiness and joy that means anything, that weighs anything, if you don't know the purpose of life. Or if you're at least, if you're not in the faith, if you're at least not in a journey to discover that life has a purpose, I want to know what it is. You know, if you think heaven is oh, a cute idea for me, I mean, how's that going to work for you uh, as you face terminal illness, you know? So as people are deprived of surety and asserting truth with surety that they might assert a math problem when it comes to the most important stuff, who am I? What's my place in the universe? What happens after I die? How am I supposed to live? You know, what we're left with is despair. What we're left with is emptiness. Or, or if it's not despair, we're condemned to live a life of distraction so we don't have to look at how empty it all is, uh, which people are very good at nowadays, right? Certainly. We yeah. are really good at distracting ourselves with shallow passing news. Uh, but we can see why. Yeah, you definitely. Know, there's no purpose. You got to distract yourself. Specifically, I mean, look at you know all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, you know the video games, you know all this tech. We're just using it as a distraction. But 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 I want to bring up a point in the sense that a lot of people make relativism and morals as if it's some type of personal taste. You know, right and wrong has been thrown out the window, and concrete universal truth has been peeled off from humanity. Evident truth doesn't even have any importance anymore. I mean, just look at what's going on with this, you know, with the transgender bathrooms issue. Our bodies don't even tell truth. Yeah, and and what harm does that do, right? People think, well, just leave, you know, to each his own, right? Uh, I mean, when people don't know how to think about ethical issues, we're, we're left with no compass, no moral compass except what do I feel like doing, what feels right. 
what feels wrong. And, and that leads to a very morally confused fight. You know, the, the transgender thing is one example of, of how confused we've become. I mean, I think that's a slightly different issue because I think there's, there's other, uh, you know, self-identity psychological problems with that, that that's not quite as cut and clear a moral issue. But, you know, one, one easy moral issue to, to point to, uh, I've probably spoken to a quarter of a million young people about chastity. Uh, and this is what we're up against. It, it, you're talking about whether or not they should have sex before marriage, and most young people are, are asking, do I feel ready? Does it feel right? Well, of course it feels right. I mean, you're, <laughs> evolution has made it feel right. You're supposed to want to bond with someone physically so you can carry on the human race, right? This is what God built into our who we are physically. So what it feels right, right? I mean, you, you should be asking, is it right or wrong? What's the meaning of this act? What am I saying with my body? Am I taking a vow with my body? What's the repercussions of this emotionally, physically, spiritually? Uh, what is the meaning of marriage? Why am I supposed to say this act on marriage? People aren't thinking about that realm of objective truth because all we're left with is, is uh, the more comes point to our hearts. But the, the benefit of that, you know, we've got to meet people where they're at. It's like Jesus did for us, right? I, I think it's a, it's a good starting point for the spiritual life, for conversations about morals. To start at, you know what, yeah, you, you want to be happy. This is something every human being shares. And, you know, how's that working for your world? We, we live in a world where there's a study done in Great Britain of, of teenage girls. 22% of them have considered suicide. Wow, that's 22%. crazy. Now, that's a chemical imbalance sometimes, right? That, that can uh, be solved by a psychiatrist, a psychologist sometimes. But when we think of almost a quarter... That's not all chemical imbalance. Yeah, something's wrong in society when you got a number that high. Yeah, well, we could pretend there's no sin. We could pretend it doesn't break us. We could pretend that we're fine making up our own purpose in life, but that there's no purpose. But when we do a real serious gut check, we know we're not okay with it. And I, I think it's amazing that we have this era that pretends there's no sin. And I don't think we've ever had so much self-loathing in history. We blame the Catholic Church for making us feel guilty for this. I sat next to someone on a plane yesterday who said she was a recovering Catholic. Right? We blame the Catholic Church for making us feel all bad about ourselves in society today. I'm telling you, people have never hated themselves more yeah, in the godless society. It's amazing. You know, it's nice to our benefit. When you just say, how's that working for you? We have something that works. We have truth. We have love that we were made for. And in our heart of hearts, we know we're made for it. Yeah, without a doubt. But uh, I'd like to bring in a little aspect of faith to this relativistic issue. Now, I was actually talking to one of my teachers about this, and, sh and she brought up a point that I think is big to consider. Looking at the Bible, looking at the, the fall of man in, in Genesis 3-5, says, For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That coming from the serpent... I think people really need to address this relativistic issue because when you look at that and you look at the forbidden fruit, there's just some symbolicness of how the forbidden fruit is relativism. Wow. You, yeah. You know, and, and you know what else the, the promise was? You'll become like God, right? Yeah, definitely. And that, that hit at the, the ancient desire that we all have because ultimately we are made to be one with God, to be children of God in Him. And what the devil in the world promises us is that we could go around God and become like God. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that is something relativism promises in a very real, real way, isn't it? It says you can make up your own truth. You can be the Lord of your own universe. I mean, the way we treat our social media uh, interactions is the same way. Everything's under my control. Everything. If I don't like a comment, I delete it. It's gone. This is how we interact with each other, how we interact with God, with moral issues. Uh, we've never been more miserable. But this is how, this is how we all do it. 
an interesting insight, brother. Well done. <laughs> and Jesus is inviting us to be like God with him, in him, through him. Amen? Amen, amen. <laughs> but uh, I got a couple of questions uh, from, from the youth in our area. One of them saying, awesome. can we really believe in our own truth and not affect anyone else? No, you know, C.S. Lewis talked about about this, that everybody's moral issues, everybody's moral decisions affect everybody else. We all think that we're ships at sea, and you, you can just not touch the other ships. But that's not true. I mean, if we're all ships at sea, what if one ship is veering off 25 degrees to the left, right? They're going to smash into another ship. But we all are interconnected, all of us. You know, I'm in Colorado, and we... We pass all these laws about marijuana here. Uh, and you know what? I have a guy, a friend of mine, who's trying to rent office space in the city. It's becoming so prevalent that he can't even find office space. Uh, every every warehouse that opens up is purchased to grow weed in. Wow, that's right? that's some moral depravity right there. Good yeah, I mean, how is that not going to affect the culture here? We think, oh, it's fine. Just let them let people burn out. Let people ruin their sense of motivation because that's what this drug does. That's well, exactly what it does, yeah. We've that in 20 years. Everything we do affects everybody else. And if you don't believe me, ask someone who's a kid of an addict. Because that, that's really a, a classic issue that people look at. They well, this person wants to burn out by themselves. Let them. Oh, my gosh. If you're, a, if, you're, if you're in a family of an addict, you can never say someone's moral decisions don't affect me. It all affects everybody else. And we're all responsible for each other. You know, we really are. I mean, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are. Without a doubt. Yeah, especially with that Colorado issue. Are you kidding me? But uh, this last, uh, I got one more question from, from the youth in our area, and we got about three, four minutes left in the show. And I say it's probably, uh, if anything, to take out of this, this one might be the biggest. How can we disprove relativism? Yeah. One, it doesn't work with who you are. You're not God, right? You, you then, don't get to make up your own spiritual and moral universe, and, and your experience of life tells you that. Two, it doesn't work in real life. Uh, after 9-11, Giuliani was, he was the mayor of New York at the time. He spoke to a bunch of delegates at the U.N., and he said, we're right, they're wrong. It's as simple as that. The era of moral relativism must come to an end. There's no Beautiful. way to sympathize with grossly immoral actions. I was amazed hearing him say this, because he was a relativist in some other ways. He said, you know, I'm a Catholic. I'm personally opposed to abortion, but I'm not going to oppose that on others, whatever. But for that one day... That one day, no one in America was a relativist. You can't watch burning bodies jump out of the Twin Towers and say, well, that was true for, for them. I can't, I can't impose my judgments here. Now, you can't judge souls. That's above your pay grade. But you can judge actions, right? Judging people makes you unholy. Judging actions makes you smart. Uh, and then, finally, it doesn't work as a philosophy. Because it says, if you boil it down to one sentence, it's true for everyone that nothing is true for everyone. Well, can you say that again? Because that's a yeah. you nail it down. Yeah, if you, if you didn't see the problem, say it five times, right? It's true for everyone that nothing's true for everyone. Uh, only wait, only things that are scientifically verifiable are true for everyone. Okay, that statement scientifically verifiable. But no matter how you want to slice it, it doesn't work as a philosophy. It doesn't work in real life. It doesn't work with who we are. So it's wrong. But you know, above all, I think young people have to know, everybody, adults too, that. Believing in absolute truth is necessary for your sense of security and happiness in life. And believing in absolute truth and disagreeing with people doesn't mean you're going to be obnoxious about it and doesn't make you intolerant. And that you have to get that piece straight because if you don't get that straight, no one's going to want to believe in absolute truth because everyone wants to be liked. 
everyone wants to be kind, you know. Um, so, and it's, it's helpful to bring up examples like Mother Teresa. If you're disagreeing about something with, with a friend about some key issues, you can just say, look, I don't hate you. I just disagree with you. I'm not, I'm not a hater. I'm not mean. I just think you're wrong. And that's okay. I learned in kindergarten how to disagree about a block and not hit my classmate in the head with a block I'm disagreeing about. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And we can do that as adults. Yeah, hopefully we learn that. Thank you very much, Chris Stefanik, for joining us. This has been a fantastic interview on, on talking about relativism, and, and hopefully we have reached a lot of uh, youth in area with our message. So thank you very much for joining us. Hey, it's been an honor being on, brother. Keep it up. Definitely. So check out Chris Stefanik's website, Real Life Catholic. Can I throw something out there? Uh, when you're on my website, sign up for the newsletter. You get a chance to win a trip with me to the Holy Land on reallifecatholic.com. <laughs> I'll have to check that out when I get home. Who knows? Maybe I'll uh, get myself a trip to Israel. But nonetheless, that is all the time that we have on the first segment here of Christ's New Generation. But hang with us. Because Father Alexander will be with us in the next segment to talk about the topic of confession. Hey, with us here on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, this is Christ's New Generation. Listen at 7 o'clock p.m. every Tuesday to WSFI Spotlight, a half-hour conversation with outstanding Catholics from our community and around the world. WSFI Spotlight re-airs on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. or listen on demand anytime by subscribing to our podcast. Visit WSFIRadio.org for more information. It's WSFI Spotlight, a conversation with Catholics living in the light. Only on WSFI Catholic Radio, Tuesdays at 7 o'clock p.m. Hello, I'm Scott Hahn from Franciscan University of Steubenville in Ohio. Catholic Radio is essential for the new evangelization. It reaches people who are not necessarily going to darken the doorways of a local parish, but they'll be driving by, and you can recommend it. You can even turn it on when you got a passenger in the car. Catholic Radio deserves your support as well, not only your prayer support, but also your financial aid. So I encourage you all, get involved and spread the word. God bless you. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at WSFIRadio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Hi, this is Brian Farley, host of Men of Christ Radio. For 10 years, through conferences, retreats, workshops, and special events, Men of Christ has been helping men to live their Catholic faith more boldly by exposing them to Catholic teaching, practices, and speakers that open eyes and change hearts. Well, now, we'll be doing it on the radio, too. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, to be specific. Tune in every first Saturday at 10 a.m. and again every first Monday at 10 p.m. right here on WSFI for Men of Christ Radio. Spiritual warfare, the power of prayer, defending the church, and more. We'll be talking about all of it on Men of Christ Radio. For more information, go to WSFICatholicRadio.org. Men of Christ Radio, inspiring conversations about your faith, your family, your nation, your world, and what you as a man of Christ can do about it.
Hello, I'm Joe Scheidler, host of Pro-Life Today on WSFI Catholic Radio 88.5 FM. It's a half-hour conversation with leaders in the pro-life movement committed to protecting the most vulnerable among us. That's every Monday at 3.30 p.m. Or listen anytime by subscribing to our podcast. Visit WSFIRadio.org for more information. That's Pro-Life Today, every Monday at 3.30 p.m. only on WSFI Catholic Radio. Back here on Christ's New Generation on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Thank you very much for staying with us as we enter the second segment of our show. And I'm joined here in studio by Father Matthew Alexander, St. Mary of the Annunciation. How you doing? Doing fine. Thanks for having me. Within this second segment, our topic is confession. And there are a lot of questions on this issue. A lot of people... They want to know why we got to go to a priest. Why is it so important that we have that we have to go to it? So let's just nail down what it is. What is confession? Wow, how much time we got? <laughs> no, <laughs> confession is uh, one of the most beautiful sacraments that the church has entrusted to us. Obviously, founded by our Lord Jesus Christ Himself, and entrusted to the church. And there's plenty of apologetic material out there for for defense of all of that, but just. At its root, what is confession? Confession is just one of the most intimate sacraments that we have in the church of, of just some of the deepest healing that you could ever have as a human person, the healing that we all desire. I think we all experience human sin. They always say if there's one doctrine in the Catholic Church that you never really need empirical proof for, it's the doctrine of original sin. You, you look around, you, you see it everywhere you go. We all have wounded backgrounds and wounded histories, and we all desire healing. We all desire wholeness. We all desire all of that. Uh, confession is the place where that takes root in our own lives as a sacrament. Mm-hmm, that's beautiful. To, to move off of that, why is it so important that I have to go to move into the specifics? Uh, why is it so important that there's a priest in the room when you're confessing to God, these are my sins, how come I can't just do it in the private of my own home? Well, there's something to be said about bringing things out into the light. Obviously, we all believe as, as Catholics that God and our Lord Jesus Christ, he knows our heart before we ever even speak a word. He knows our heart through and through. He knows all the good places. He knows the places that, that don't belong to him, the places that are wounded or, or numb or are bleeding out or, or what have you. He, he knows all of that. He knows our story. He knows every room in our house, if you will. But there's something to be said about bringing all of this into the light. It's not enough for me to just relate this in a prayerful way to God and to our Lord. But for the sake of our own heart, it's almost like, I don't know, like one of the best uh, analogies I would have is... is doctor's office if you will right you got a cough right you're coughing all day you got some crazy bronchitis or something like that right Mm -hmm. just coughing and you want that bronchitis healed well how do you get that healed you got to go to a doctor you got to relate to him all the different symptoms of what's going on there and in turn you're bringing that forward to the priest to the doctor of souls you kind of voluntarily uh, handing that over to him gives him permission to go to work, him being our Lord Jesus Christ. It gives our Lord permission to go into your heart and to 
give you that deep healing without without going to the doctor's office if you just show up and you're like well i'm just gonna think this to to god or i'm just gonna i'm not really gonna bring it out into the light i'm not really gonna relate it well the doctor can't do much you know telling him about it gives him permission to go into the heart and to heal it that's 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 what's at root in the sacrament of confession there's there's healing there's there's forgiveness there's absolution there's there's a lot going on there so we go to the priest because that's what our lord decided we ought to do certainly i think there's also that that relation of humanity priests also living in, in this time period it can and if there's an occasion of sin it can help you move past it just from a devout man to another so a classic protestant argument it doesn't even have to be protestant would be where does the priest get this power to absolve sins to forgive sins how come anybody can have this power it's something that our, our lord has obviously entrusted to the church like i said there's biblical citations and apologetical material out there and we could go into that but it's i guess over the year right now it suffices just to say that our lord this is the church he the church is the body of christ the, the, the church is to use a technical phrase is the elongation of the incarnation in other words wherever you see the church you also see christ because christ is present not just eucharistically in in the eucharist itself but through her members yes but in a very special way too in in the priestly ministry that we have as ordained priests he gave us the office and the ministry to be his hands and feet that's why we say is in the catholic church we're we're an altar christus we're another christ so when you come to the priest and you tell him your sins and you relate that to him you are literally relating that to our lord himself and when the priest speaks to you and he wants to go deeper it's not just enough to just kind of say all right well here are my sins but there's a deeper conversion that's still in need when the priest kind of probes or asks questions or, or gives advice or encourages you that also is our lord jesus christ doing that through the priest to you and how beautiful is that i mean that's it's, it's the way that our, our lord desired the church to be and, and so we we carry it out with, with confidence and, and faith in that yeah that is beautiful also to the apostolic succession just down the line of how you're through apostolic succession you are directly telling your sins to god through the medium of a priest so obviously one of the big points of of a confession is the penance mm -hmm. it's here are my sins here's what i've got to do to restore this relationship that I've got with Almighty God. So what is the purpose of penance? Why can't I just move along with my sins after absolution? It goes back to the whole idea of what sin is. It goes back to also the, the biblical passage where our Lord does see Peter and he says, he basically gives him the office to, to bind and to loose sins, to forgive sins, basically. A great analogy that I've heard before is Whenever we do sin, it's like taking a, a nail and, and pounding that into a piece of wood or, or what have you. All right, well, it's it's great to take that nail out. I'm, I'm glad you did that. It's, that's, that's nice. But what remains is still a hole. And when you look at the hole, you're like, well, all right, what else, what else is there to do? Well, you got to fill it up, right? So it is enough to 
yes, uh, absolving and, and, and forgiveness and, and all of that, that's all an essential part of deep healing. But if we really want true wholeness, we, we exercise penance as, as well. Penance, the idea of penance basically is to, it's what fills the hole of, that was caused by, by the nail being pounded into the wood. We got to go above and beyond what is just simply asked of us so that we can conform our life more and more to Christ. The idea of penance isn't to just rattle off a couple of Hail Marys or an Our Father or what have you, but will hopefully ground the heart in a, a deeper form of, of healing, a more complete form of healing. The nail out is not enough. We got we to gotta fill that hole back up, don't we? That's a great metaphor right there, using the wood. But to bring up sins looking at, at the difference of sins there are certain sins which obviously are, are weighed more than others and that's the difference between mortal and venial sins obviously venial sins are the lesser ones and the ones that are forgiven during mass and through the eucharist but the mortal sins that's the heavy duty stuff that needs a priest absolution what is the weight and the difference mortal sin is saint james talks about this he he, he speaks about how there are different kinds of sin obviously there are venial sins are offenses against god a mortal sin is an offense against god that kills our soul that takes away from that that totally ruptures our relationship with god and there's there's different you know conditions for a mortal sin we have those in, in the catechism so if, if there is any discernment that's needed for you know whether or not something is a mortal sin and needs to be brought forward obviously in, in the sacrament of confession there's three factors that you got to look at one it has to be grave matter so there's a lot of different grave sin out there secondly you have to know that it's grave matter you have to have full knowledge about that and then thirdly you have to have free will to commit such a sin if if all three of those factors are, are there not to make a science out of it, because obviously there's there's discernment that's that's had, but that's those are the tools that we that we use to kind of discern whether or not something is is mortal, whether or not something has really not just hurt us, but 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 killed us essentially as a spiritual person. Yeah, and the way that I had one priest describe it to me is that a venial sin is a stain, and a mortal sin is a tear. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one that needs to be mended. But nonetheless, before before we hit up Lexio Divina, which we will in the next few moments, there are a couple questions from the youth in our area on the topic of confession. And yeah. one of them is simply is, how do I prepare for a confession? Wow. Um, there, there are things called uh, little tools. You can find them online or just put on your iPhone, ask Siri, examination of conscience, and she'll pull it right up, I'm sure. <laughs> so there's ways of just kind of reflecting on, on our own life. I like to think back to my last confession and sit somewhere silently and just kind of think about, all right, well, what have I done? What really is weighing on my heart? What's the, and this is usually like the direction I like to go. What's the one thing that I really, really, really don't want to bring up to the priest in confession? That's precisely the first thing you start off with. <laughs> That's <laughs> where you bring forward. That's, That's the way I go is, is what's, what's really weighing on your heart? What do you want to be free of? What's what? What addictions are there? What what things do you hate most about yourself? What do you want to shake? That's where you go. Now, great explanation. Bring up the bad stuff first, but then there's the time when you get into the confessional. And I don't think there's a single Catholic on this planet 
would ever say, "Oh, I've never been nervous for a confession." Oh, I'm I'm nervous. I do this for a living, and I'm nervous every day. This is <laughs> it's brutal. <laughs> yeah. So, so obviously, there, there's the question of how do I give a good confession? Just be honest. Like I said, the Lord knows your heart already. Bleed it out. To, to relate it. Just be honest about it, and you you'll you'll experience just this this deep feeling of of just. I don't know, like like a great burden was just lifted off your shoulders. If if you're straight up about it, you're not trying to dance around it. Like, oh, I'm not really gonna say that word, or I really don't want to. I just kind of, I kind of struggle with this. Try to couch it in some way. No, no, just be be brutally and dangerously honest with what you want to bring forward. And and I don't know. I, I I get nervous too. But the more honest I am about it, the more I relate to the to the doctor. I think there's a correlation between that and the amount of healing that you experience too yes yeah, certainly and again it's what you put in absolutely it, it's that's all about what it is i know i know when i go to confession it almost feels like there's a clean feeling not only on the inside but on the outside it, everything just seems so sharp in that way but well we'll move it on to lexio divinas we got about 10 minutes left in the segment and once again for for lexio divina i'll rattle off a first run through of the collection of verses and then father alexander will kind of break it down say it slowly kind of piece apart what exactly you know the bible is trying to say to us but this one comes from the new testament first john chapter one verses three through nine what we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us all from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think there's just a lot. I mean, there's, there's a lot to be had here. I feel like at the root of, of this passage, what is it? The question that comes to mind as I look through this passage is what is it what is that deep desire that i have in my own heart that i really yearn for that i really want that i really desire what is it what is it that i that i need if i were to be brutally honest with our lord jesus christ in this what do i want what do i yearn for this passage promises us a joy that it that can become complete it promises us light it promises us the blood of Jesus Christ. It promises us fellowship. It promises us so much forgiveness of sins and, and what have you. As I read through this a second time, those are the questions that I'm going to be asking myself and I'll be asking all of you listening out there is, what is it that you really desire? What is it that you really want? And to fan that flame that is within your heart that God has placed there. There's probably a part of this passage that speaks to you more than, than me or to the next person out there. What's really weighing on your heart? What is it that you really 
desire if you were to be brutally honest with our Lord. So as I go through this a second time, I invite you to ask that question yet again. What's in your heart? What do you want? Fan that flame and speak that desire to our Lord. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's beautiful right there. Beautiful explanation, too. I know for me personally, the verse that speaks to me, it's that seventh one where he says, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. I feel like one of the biggest things that God is trying to tell us is that we shouldn't proclaim to others that we think we're perfect and we shouldn't tell that to ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, we all have healing. We all have things that we aren't happy about ourselves that, we, that we've done or, or that we do. And to recognize that only through a relationship with him do we have that hole, that nail hole in the wood, it gets filled up. I think the one thing that kind of rises up in my own heart as, uh, as we read through this is the very last verse where he says, he is faithful. Our Lord is faithful. And even though our commitment to our Lord wavers at times, even though our I'll be the first one to admit I, I, I don't have a perfect life. I, I, I see it every day, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm falling short of, of what I need to be doing, too. But even though my, my commitment and, and our commitment to the Lord, it, it wavers, even though we might let go of, of, of the hand of our Lord, He never lets go of us. He's always faithful to us. Even if there's days where we give up on, on God, or we give up on ourselves, or we give up on the world, we always have a God who will never give up on, on you. He is faithful, and he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Certainly, and well said. So an another great verse, set of verses from the New Testament through Alexio Divina. So we're coming towards, towards the end of this segment for the second segment here on Christing Generation. Got about five minutes left or so. So why don't you, you tell us, from, from your personal experience with, with the sacrament, of confession, what do you really take out of it? Out of confession, wow. My take out of confession is just the Lord's desire to enter into the very depths of our heart and to bring so much healing. A great analogy of, uh, I'm full of analogies, which is brutal for the listeners. So No, it's great. I love them too. <laughs> <laughs> but bear with me. But I love how what sin does sometimes is, is it's, it's like a tree that's rooted within our own hearts. 
and whenever we go to confession, we, we, we can confess those sins and especially the, you know, the ones that are addictive and, and what have you. And it's kind of like shaking off the leaves from that heart. But what I'd encourage our listeners and myself to do in some, some way is look, look for that, that place of, of, of deeper healing. What are the lies that we believe in about ourselves? What are the, what's the tree that's rooted within your heart that needs to be uprooted? It's always good to, to go to confession and to take all those leaves off. But oftentimes, at least in my own life, I've realized that, you know, a lot of our sins come back to a wound, come back to at some point in our own lives, maybe in memory or, or not, but there's a place in our own heart that's been wounded by ourself or another in, in some deep way, and, and God desires to heal that. Okay. Well, sometimes that's the very root of, of a lot of the sin that's that we keep going back to, um, especially if it's addictive. If you want healing, it's, it's not enough to just sometimes shake the leaves off, but to really ask those deep questions of what lies am I giving into? What fears do I have? What does he really want to do in my own heart? Because he wants to, to heal the whole thing. He even though there's parts of your heart that you hate, even though there's parts of your heart you'd rather live without, even though there's there's parts of your heart that you'd rather you'd rather sever, you know, parts of your heart that you just hate and, and, and can't live with. Well, he loves the whole thing. He loves the whole heart, even the wounded places. He he loves you where you're at right here, right now, but he loves you enough to not leave you there too. And so confession can be that, that place where we not only relate the sins, but we also relate the fears, the lies that we believe in, the the, the different times that people have hurt us in a deep way, whether that be abuse or betrayal or, or, or what have you. What what is it what's that one thing in your life that you feel like you just can't shake? Because time doesn't heal things. We we gotta we gotta go back. We gotta not that we got to dig around and try to find our own wounds, but we let the light of Christ in, as, as the passage said. We let him shine the light on, on the whole heart, and we give him permission to go anywhere. But if we relate those things, that's where deep healing truly can happen, I think, in our life. Certainly, without a doubt. So what do you recommend, as we get towards the last few moments of the show, what do you recommend is a good frequency for confession to experience this great healing? I would say at least at least once a year. I would say personally I, I do it every other week, but I, I'd recommend going as, as often as needed, but all, as, as often as, as you can, maybe maybe once a month. I think once a month would be just a great frequency to, to just just keep going back. I mean, it's like it's like mass. We can't get enough of grace, we can't get enough of, of life in Christ and, and the more you go, just watch for it. Watch for the grace you're growing in the spiritual life you'll you'll see it it looks like something watch for it to happen it'll, it'll it will and certainly and if you're if you've got an occasion of sin that's definitely where you want to turn it up a little bit tribe makes experience it you know one two three times a month you get to confession where you can most local parishes have it offered i know for my parish saint patrick's it's every Saturday evening. Marytown has it Tuesdays and Thursdays starting at 6 p.m. So go there if you can. Matthew Alexander, let's just end in prayer. Absolutely. Lord Jesus Christ, we, we thank you and we love you. You know our hearts through and through. We ask that you enter into our hearts, that our hearts might be opened to your grace and to your reconciling love. Make our hearts truly complete 
Fill it with joy and with peace. We ask this all through Christ our Lord. Amen. Wow, that was a great segment here on Confession. Wonderfully joined by Father Matthew Alexander of St. Mary of the Annunciation. Hang with us. The show's coming towards the end. We've got some words from the youth in our area. We've got testimony coming up, so stay tuned for that here on Christ's New Generation on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Did you know that you can listen to WSFI local programming on demand? Full episodes of Pro-Life Today, WSFI Spotlight, Healing the Whole Person, Bursting Forth in Sound, along with our novenas, prayers, and devotions are available on your mobile device or online. For iPhone and iPad users, open the already installed podcast app and search for WSFI. Then click subscribe. Android users need to visit the Google Play Store, download the Stitcher app, create a free account, then search for WSFI. Add us to your favorites playlist by clicking the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner of the screen. The full archive of local shows is also available at WSFIRadio.org. Need help? Call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. WSFI is on social media. Follow us on Twitter at WSFIFM. And like us on Facebook by searching for WSFI Catholic Radio. Hello, this is Archbishop Blaise Supich, and I'm pleased to be here at the Pro-Life Rally, the March for Life here in Federal Plaza. And I've been asked the question, why is Catholic Radio important? Well, it's important because we need to get the word out. And more that we can broadcast widely the message of Jesus Christ, we really are doing the mission of the church. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Hi, I'm Juliana Tamarazzi, the host of Voice of Nineveh on WSFI Catholic Radio 88.5 FM. Please join me in our studio audience every first Friday of the month at 11 a.m. to discuss matters which our Christian brothers and sisters face every day in the Middle East. To make reservations to be in the studio audience, please call us at 224-206-8455. That number again is 224-206-8455. Hi, this is Father Paul White from Holy Apostles in McHenry, Illinois. We are very excited, Holy Apostles, about the new WSFI radio station because it gives us an opportunity to do what the Pope calls us to do, to new evangelization and bring the Word of God to those who might not be able to get out to church. So we look forward to everyone in McHenry and Lake County taking advantage of this opportunity to listen to WSFI. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio 
is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Are you enjoying this WSFI local program and want to share it with others? Visit WSFICatholicRadio.org and click on Listen, Then Programming. That's WSFI Catholic Radio, Listen, Then Programming. WSFI 80.5 FM Catholic Radio. This is Christ's New Generation. I'm John Collin. We've got about 10 more minutes left on the show, and I'm joined wonderfully here by Jessica Rapp. She's an attendee of St. Patrick's Parish, goes to Franciscan University. So we'll bring her in now. Jessica, how you doing? Great. Well, that sounds awesome. Uh, so, Jessica, how long have you been Catholic? I'm actually a cradle Catholic, so I was baptized into the Catholic faith when I was five days old and have been going to church (laughs) since then. Great. So growing up in a strong Catholic home must have made it relatively easy for you to start accepting the Catholic faith for yourself with the foundation that your close family and even the family friends that you interact with help lay for yourself. So when did you really start a true relationship with God and really start putting your trust in him, your faith in him for your life? Um, I would say, I mean, I was going to Mass every Sunday, um, but I didn't really take the faith um, personally or, like, take it myself until um, graduating from eighth grade. I went to a Catholic middle school, and then I was moving into a big public high school. I needed to uh, take the faith on for myself and to apply it into my everyday life so I would, was able to keep that relationship I had with the Lord. Beautiful. And you're totally right going to a public high school. That's a total new battleground uh, than a private school where you really don't necessarily get all these challenges of faith that you have to encounter. Uh, so moving on, there are many aspects of the Catholic faith, whether it's the Mass, whether it's the Eucharist, or whether it's confession. Through all of these entities of the Catholic faith, which one appeals to you most? I would say the main thing is that we are able to all come together and receive Lord in the Eucharist. Um, that's just amazing and such a gift that we've been given. Great. So you go to Franciscan University, you'll be a sophomore next year and I'm assuming that there was at least a little bit of inspiration after going to Steubenville uh, the conferences that Franciscan University holds over the summer definitely I uh, had a conversion while I was at a Steubenville conference I was actually at Lewis University and during I just finished my first year there and during the Steubenville conference I had felt a very strong calling to transfer to go to Franciscan. Um, I'm such a homebody, so being eight hours away was really uh, scary for me, but I just totally trusted in the Lord and knew that that's where he was calling me to go. And so I just finished my first year at Franciscan, and I could not have been happier with the transition. Wonderful. So it sounds like God really called you in the right direction by going to Franciscan University. 
So being at college, the classic line is you can either lose your faith or you can keep it and watch it grow. How has your faith prospered while going to Franciscan University? Well, being at Franciscan, we are blessed with so many opportunities to do this every day with the different different programs and ministry opportunities they allow us to participate in. Um, but I realize that when I come home, it's I definitely have to work harder at um, living my faith out. One way I'm able to live out my life while being at home is to just really incorporate the joy that I receive through Christ with interactions I have with everyone I meet, whether that's at the grocery store or with my family members, um, just to make sure that that joy is present. Sounds great. And that is a very large part of our faith is just living it out, living as Christ in our everyday lives. It doesn't have to be the big miracles that we're working with others, the conversions that we help other people have. It's just the every little day things that we do, whether it's with our family, whether it's with our friends and acquaintances, uh, and with those around us that we don't know are strangers. And it is a responsibility of us to act that way in Christ. So going through college, trying to find your way in life, see where God is pointing you. Where do you see your faith going along this line of trying to find yourself and what career you want to go into? That's a great question. I plan on, uh, after Franciscan, and after developing such a strong relationship and faith centered there, I plan on continuing to deepen that relationship. So obviously going to Mass every Sunday, hopefully able to get daily Mass at least a few days a week, hopefully getting married to a strong Catholic (laughs) and having a strong Catholic family. Well, that sounds like a pretty good plan, but thank you very much, Jessica, for joining me. This has been a wonderful interview. To conclude this episode of Christ's New Generation, in which we heard from Christophonic on relativism and Father Matthew Alexander on confession. So nonetheless, that is all the time that we have on the program today. Stay tuned. Next week, we have Jason Everett coming on, and he'll be talking a little bit about chastity and telling us why we should save it for marriage. But nonetheless, this has been Christ New Generation on WSFI 80.5 FM Catholic Radio. May God bless you and keep you. This has been an episode of Christ New Generation on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information about this program, visit WSFICatholicRadio.org. Did you know that you can listen to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio from anywhere in the world? Our live internet stream is available at WSFIRadio.org. Just click on Listen Live. We also stream on the TuneIn mobile app for your smartphone or tablet. For iPhone and iPad users, visit the App Store, download the TuneIn app, sign up for a free account, and then search for WSFI. Click Follow to add us to your profile. For Android users, visit the Google Play Store, download the TuneIn app, sign up for a free account, and then search for WSFI. Click follow to add us to your profile. Need help? Call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455.
Uh, Bishop George Rassus speaking. I live in Libertyville, Illinois, in the Archdiocese of Chicago. Jesus and the apostles had the spoken word one-on-one, and yet uh, through radio and the magic of uh, electronic media, we can reach all kinds of people instantly. And so the message is as important or more important than ever in our world today, and I hope that many of us will listen and learn and come close to the Lord each and every day. God bless you. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. 